Mark Sahaba, the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jamaah. Honorable listeners of Marqas Sahaba, the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jamaah, we greet you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. As you know, today is the 4th of Rajab, 1445. This month of Rajab, what events took place? Mufti Muhammad Aku Saab Tamad Barakatuh has joined us. And on Friday also, he opened up the floor by discussing about Spain. And inshallah, we'll be carrying on with this. Let's welcome Mufti Saab. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Spain, Islam entered Spain in this month of Rajab. Allah Ta'ala used Abdurba. He was Tariq bin Ziyad, rahimahullah, under Musa ibn Nusayr. Musa ibn Nusayr, rahimahullah, was the Amir in North Africa. And this was all under the Khilafah al-Umawiyah. The Khalifa was Al-Walid ibn Abdul Malik, rahimahullah. And the Khilafa was in Dimashq, was in Damascus, in Sham, Dimashq. And alhamdulillah, Musa ibn Nusayr was sent into North Africa after the efforts of great Sahaba, radiyallahu anhum, taking Islam into North Africa. Sahaba, very, very great, uh, you know, uh, who made so much of effort there. There's one individual who, there is ikhtilaf, whether he's Sahabi or Tabi'i, but who did great works there, namely Uqba bin Nafi' rahimahullah or radiyallahu an. There is ikhtilaf whether he is Sahabi or not. He is also a relative of Abd Amr ibn al-As radiyallahu anhu. And he made great inroads into North Africa. It became like a center of Islam. And in this area, Tunisia, North Africa, Qairuan, is the famous masjid of Hazrat Uqbat ibn Nafi and the amazing event historical event in history that Allah ibn Kathir actually mentioned in his Al-Bidaya wa Nihaya where when Uqbat ibn Nafi was taking the center for deen, the markaz further into the jungles of North Africa they didn't want to be near the seas because the Romans had overwhelmed and conquered the mines and the, the, the people in this region. So, because Islam came to liberate them, so not to be an easy target, he wanted the center to be further away from the water, not being easy prey to the Romans. And when he went into this region here, he saw a very suitable region, but it was infested with wild animals mm. and, uh, you know, creatures and so forth. So, subhanallah, he actually made an announcement. Hmm. He is announcing to the animals of the jungle. Oh, wildlife. Oh, the wild animals. Lion. All the creatures of the jungle. I instruct you that I am here with the Sahaba of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and you make your way further into the jungle leave and uh, leave this area, this region here for us. And subhanAllah, Allah Ibn Kathir mentions that in those three days he gave the wildlife. ثُمَّ نَادَ عَيَّتُ وَالْحِيَاتُ وَالْسِبَاءُ نَحْنُ أَصْحَابُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ فَرْحَلُوا عَنَّا فَإِنَّا نَازِلُونَ Leave because we are now going to camp here. فَإِذَا بِالسِّبَاءِ تَخْرُجُوا مِنَ الشِّعَارِ تَحْمِلُوا أَشْبَعَ لَهَا And all the wild animals 
and the wolves and the hyenas and the snakes carrying their snakelets and the lions carrying their cubs. And like this, all of them departed from that region. And that center was built that up till today stands in North Africa. Just to mention a few other great people, like we know Uqba bin Nafia, among the great people there who did great works of deen was Abul Muhajir Dinar bin Abi Dinar. Subhanallah. So many people embraced Islam at, at his hands. There's another individual who's also a Sahabi. And Allahu Akbar, I hope we all learn his name. Hazrat Zuhair bin Qais al-Balawi. Mm-hmm. He was in this area of Africa, striving for Allah, spreading Allah's deen, teaching Allah's deen. Alhamdulillah. One of the last Sahaba to live in this area is also a Sahabi whose name appears in the Kitab Abu Dawood Sharif. Hazrat Ruwayfi'a. Hazrat Ruwayfi'a. Interestingly, he narrates the hadith of the, the, the beard, the dari in Abu Dawood Sharif. So he's one of the last Sahaba in Africa to live. Alhamdulillah. Then, among the great people who also served there was Hassan bin Nu'man. Rahimahullah. And after that, Alhamdulillah, the Khalifa Al-Walid appointed Musa ibn Nusayr, Rahimahullah, who, Alhamdulillah, established deen and made great inroads into different, different regions. Interesting about Musa ibn Nusayr, that his father was actually studying to be a senior priest, and he was captured by Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, who years ago. And Alhamdulillah, through seeing the akhlaq of the Muslims and how Muslims treat captives is with akhlaq, is brotherhood. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, they are your brothers. Allah has granted you their service. Never, you know, uh, oppress them. Never harm them. Never overburden them. And if you give them something very burdensome to do, assist them and help them. Eat and feed them of what you eat. Clothe them of what you wear, meaning treat them like, like human beings. Like you, this is the quality of humanity. Anyway, his father, Nusayr, embraced Islam and learned from the Sahaba Kiram. And here, Musa, subhanallah, becomes such a commander for the Muslim army, alhamdulillah, in this area here. And here, something interesting happened. There was a man by the name of Julian. Julian. And his daughter was in Spain and the man Roderick of Spain actually subhanallah sadly uh, violated his daughter Mm. you know usurped her haq and violated her and uh, she wrote this to her father because she being a royal man's daughter was in Spain but she was also in the, the palace and when this Roderick violated her and her father came and interrogated Roderick. Roderick was very, very shameless. And anyway, he tried to mend it, but this hurt Julian. And this is what, you know, inspired Julian to approach the Muslims, that these are people of integrity and kindness and equality. So he told the Muslims, this is the land. You should go in and remove this man here. And uh, Musa ibn Nusayr agreed. And that's when he sent Farak bin Ziyad, rahimahullah. But what's interesting there is, as uh, Julian was leaving Spain, this uh, Roderick is telling him, get me some hunting hawks there. So he says, no, I'll send you. I'll send you some Arab hawks. 
<laughs> he was referring to the Muslims because he was very hurt about what uh, this uh, Roderick did to his daughter. And Alhamdulillah, from there, Barak bin Ziyad strove in Allah Ta'ala's way. And most of the areas just submitted, Alhamdulillah. And the masses were too happy to, to have Muslims. And uh, when they saw especially the justice and integrity of Muslims and the exorbitant taxes of the previous regime had overwhelmed them. So now, and what's very pertinent for us to remember at this juncture, before we halt on this topic and discuss it at some other time, is the Jews were undergoing, undergoing torture mm-hmm. under, under the Christian regime. And they were violated. They were forced to leave Judaism, their religion. And even the children that came from Jewish and Christian marriage, marriages had to be baptized and had to be sent to Christian churches. And the, the, the Jews were not allowed avenues of earning. They were sadly ill-treated and oppressed and suppressed. And when the Muslims came in, alhamdulillah, like throughout history, if we analyze, and this is something interesting to study, how whenever the Jews were ill-treated by the world, it was always the Muslims that resorted the oppressed, especially, as well as the oppressed Jews. Like in this case also, alhamdulillah, when the Muslims came in, it was, uh, you know, relief for the Jews that they were also saved due to the entrance of the Muslims, alhamdulillah. And then just to mention some, I reiterate one point that we mentioned just a few days ago, is that something interesting about the Christians in this region embracing Islam very, very quickly is was formally prior to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's Bi'atha, there was a man by the name of Aryus, and Rasulullah alluded to him in the hadith and the letter that he wrote to the Roman Emperor. This was going back to Constantine. Constantine tried to bring the Romans to Christianity, so he tried to filter the Christian faith. This is how Christianity was changed. Up till 300 years after the common era, after Isa alayhi salatu was salam, Christians also believed in monotheism and the oneness of Allah. 300 years later, so this is 300 years after Isa alayhi salam and 300 years prior to Janabi Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Constantine tried to merge the two ways and the two, two lifestyles and the two nationalities. The Roman people who were pagans and the Christians who all were under his realm and kingdom. This is how he made their God three. One is three, three is one. And this is how he also changed the holy day, the special day, like in this Ummah is Jumu'ah. But the prior, prior to that, it was a Sabbath. So Constantine changed it from the Saturday to the Sunday, because Sunday was the day where the Romans would gather and worship the sun. So this got merged into Christianity as well. And so that was another big change. And that's what, how the change came into the Holy Day being Christmas also. Because December 25th has nothing to do with the birth of Hazrat Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. But anyway, in this, there was a man who stood up for Haq, whose name was Aryus, rahimahullah. And he made an effort, and he had debates also. There's a famous debate in, the, in, in Nasia, where alhamdulillah, he spoke up for Tawheed and the oneness of Allah and the truth about Hazrat Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. Alhamdulillah. 
So as Malana Sahib mentioned to me uh, previously to mention, you know, some lessons on how to discuss with Christians and inshallah soon we'll start that. And I'll send to Malana Sahib a booklet of my brothers and anyone that wants can get it from Malana Zahid Sahib. You know, it's eight pages, but it's how to have a discussion with any fellow Christian. Alhamdulillah, it's quite interesting and it's concise. And as Muslims, it's quite important, pertinent information that we can share and share these discussions with them. Like the few things I mentioned now also could be added. So you start with something, you have a skeleton and you add to it. Alhamdulillah. Maybe today in the last two, three minutes, I'll mention, you know, one aspect on how to start a conversation hmm. with them. But here my point was to finalize this one point is what softened the people of this region so much where they so quickly embraced Islam. This was also due, that's why it's important to give due also. This was also due to Aryus, rahimahullah, who went into these regions after he was banished from Constantinople and the lands of Constantine. He went into these regions of Africa, Egypt and Sudan and then North Africa and then Spain. And he advocated the oneness of Allah. Alhamdulillah. That's why when these Christians saw the message of the Muslims, it coincided with what they originally learned in the past and they knew about Aryus. And this also, Alhamdulillah, had an impact in them very quickly embracing Islam. Alhamdulillah. Marana, can I, besides Spain, inshallah, which we will continue with, I want to mention a few other events that happened in uh, Rajab, inshallah. Chief. Is that okay? Chief. Perfect. What's interesting in our history, let's go back to Rasulullah's time, there's a famous expedition that took place in Medina Manuwara. And it's something pertinent that you and I should learn about. It's among the first expeditions where Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was training Sahaba, عنهم, and also this somehow became a forerunner to the expedition of Badr. And this is where Abdullah bin Jahsh was the first Amir, and he was sent with few Sahaba, عنهم, 12 Muhajirin. They went to an area called Makhla. So this was in Rajab, the second year Hijri. Nabi وسلم, gave Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahsh a letter and said, Do not look into this letter until you reach a certain point, meaning after two days. After he traveled for two days, see, this is Tarbiyat. You have a letter, but you cannot look in. Two days later, he may look in. And then when he opens the letter, he finds in it enshrined or inscribed. When you look into my letter, go and camp at Nakhla, this area between Mecca and Taif, and wait for the caravan of Quraysh and watch them and bring for us information concerning them. Abdullah said, Total obedience, Sama'an wa And he told his companions. But he was also told not to force them if they're not prepared to join, because they should join if they want Shahada and martyrdom. When he spoke to them, they all were ready. Alhamdulillah. When they got to this point, they camped there, and they are waiting, and they see this caravan of Quraysh with, full of, with lots of booty and wealth. And now, this is in the month of Rajab. And Rajab is a sacred month. It's one of the sacred months that, that's secluded from the other three sacred months. So now, we're still in Rajab. Rajab hasn't entered yet. Yes, it is the end of the month, but we're not allowed to fight in the sacred months. This was the rule in Arabia. This was the Meccan uh, society. This was the system. And Islam, you know, mentioned that these are sacred months. So these Sahaba didn't know what to do. So now they're analyzing. We are told to come here, bring information. Now we can't, take this caravan because 
the month is Rajab. But if we wait for Rajab to end by tomorrow or the day after, they will already be in the sacred lands. What should we do? What they did is they attacked the caravan, took the caravan, took two of the guards, there were four, two escaped and two were taken captive. And in the four, one escaped, one actually died. Amr ibn Hadrami died. Two were taken captive and brought to Medina Manawara. When they come to Medina Manawara with this huge caravan of, 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 of booty, Nabi sallallahu alayhi was upset with them. And he said to them, did I tell you to fight? What did I tell you? So he was teaching the ummah a lesson. That don't jump the gun. See what we are told to do and do it as we are commanded. What happened here was, the instructions stated, go get information about the caravan. But they now felt, okay, information also means that we're going to go back, we're going to be told to come back and then attack the caravan. So why don't we just do all? Basically killing two birds with one stone. That's what they probably thought to themselves. But this was also for Tarbiyat, that they were told to command, uh, obey the command of Rasulullah And we find this quality of obedience in the Sahaba. And this was the tarbiyat that was given to them. Obedience. Total obedience. So this is why Nabi Wasallam was upset with this group of Sahaba. And all the Sahaba were really upset with them as well. Anyway, the Mushrikeen of Makkah used this as an opportunity to spread rumors and uh, you know, to, 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 to spread so much of false rumors against Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and verbally entreat Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and, and speak bad about Islam and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because this is what they do. They look for some gap or an opportunity and they start attacking Islam and this is the system of the world throughout history up till now. If a Muslim mistakenly does something, for example, the whole of deen, Islam, will be blamed for that. But take another person who is in another religion, it will be that individual who will be blamed or will have to face the consequences of that crime. Like, for example, there was one man who uh, was trying to rescue another innocent man who a dog became, you know, wild. So now trying to rescue the man from the dog, he shot the dog and rescued and saved a human being. The next day's newspapers, for example, would have it that a uh, poor dog killed by a Muslim man. You know, so Ajib how when it happens from another individual, they will, you know, headline it differently. So here as well, this caused hurt to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because now they're spreading rumors against Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that this is what Muslims do. They violate the sacred months and this is what they do and this is what they do. Anyway, in that, this hurt this group of Sahaba as well because this caused the cleave to the heart of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And interestingly, after some time, the verse of the Quran Kareem was revealed that they asked you concerning the sacred months. Say to them, Battling in these months is major, is serious. But Allah then says, But stopping people from Allah's house and violating the rights of the haram and banishing people from the haram and causing corruption on the land is much worse. Hmm. So basically, the verse of the Quran is saying that the sacred month has to be respected. 
But what the mushrikeen are doing in violating the haram and barring people from coming to the haram, from Allah, coming from Allah's house, what they are perpetrating is much worse. Anyway, when these verses of the Quran Kareem was revealed, this was a relief for this group of Sahaba. But something interesting that happened in this whole event, remember, this is something pertinent to remember, that one man who was killed later on became the, 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 the cause of Badr. Because the Mushrikeen wanted to take revenge for his life, Amr ibn al-Hadrami. That you'll remember and you'll see his name and his brother's name when you are studying Badr. But interestingly, one of their brothers was Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami. And Allah gave him Hidayah, subhanAllah. We have a discussion on the life of Hazrat Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami, radiallahu You get it from Marana Zahid Sahib if you are interested. But to finish this incident, what happened to the two captives who were brought to Medina Munawwarah. They were detained in the masjid, the masjid of Nabawi, and we find this to be a recurring event. So many non-Muslims were kept in the masjid after Badr, for example. Here on this occasion also, these two captives were kept in the masjid. There was Fumama bin Usal, the ruler of Yamama, he was also detained in the masjid. What was the hikmat behind this? That the environment of the masjid can soften the hardest heart. What happens to these two in the masjid? Hazrat Umar says, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi sat with them for a very lengthy period of time, answering the questions, discussing important, pertinent issues with them concerning Islam, to such an extent that I came to Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Allah's Nabi, everyone is sitting there, probably understand the environment of Medina Manuwara and the Masjid al-Nabawi. Sahaba are sitting and learning, and the senior Sahaba are teaching the junior Sahaba, like Hazrat Umar and the Sahaba are teaching. Generally, Rasulullah would be teaching them. But here, Rasulullah is sitting with the two captives, and the others are doing their learning and teaching. So Hazrat Umar wants Rasulullah to come to them. So he goes to Rasulullah, would you leave them and come to us? So as Marana mentioned, to teach some method of da'wah, let's learn one method of da'wah from here. And what, what's that method of da'wah? Let's see if you can get the clue. Here Rasulullah is sitting with these two non-Muslims in the masjid, and the sahaba are sitting with each other. So when Hazrat Umar called Rasulullah, Allah's Nabi says, Umar, you carry on with them. Until Hazrat Umar actually said, Oh, Nabi so long you sit with two people, let them go to their abodes in hell. Hatta yarji ila ummi Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Umar, you go that side, you carry on with the other. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam left Umar and the Sahaba, and he carried on answering the questions of these two. Hatta aslam al-hakam. The one didn't become Muslim. Right? Mughira. And the hakam embraced Islam. Subhanallah. When Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gathered the Sahaba to give them the news that Hazrat Hakam bin Kaysan embraced Islam, Allahu Akbar, Hazrat Umar, Says I was shocked. And it affected me greatly because I was saying, let him go to hell. And here he becomes our brother in Islam. And then Nabi says to Sahaba, and he teaches them a lesson of the value of every individual. It's all oh my Sahaba. See, if I had to listen to you just now and leave this individual and not give him da'wah. If I had to leave him, as you all are saying, and just come sit with you here, and leave him, and not let him not receive the da'wah, he would die without iman, he would go to hellfire. So isn't it better that we give every individual da'wah? So this is the first lesson. Have care for one one individual. 
to save one young person. And what's your first step? How to broach the subject? You get the booklet from Mulana Zahid Sahib, but you greet a person, you know, politely. If he's a non-Muslim, you know, a male would make effort on a male. A female makes effort on a female. That is best. So you greet. Hello, sir. How are you? Have a May you have a good day. And if there's an opportunity to make the ikram with some coffee, with some tea in your office, or even you meet them at the airport, then you can mention a comment about the Creator Almighty. And you know, Almighty God is so merciful. Almighty God is so great. That can be an opening remark after greeting with politeness and respect. Another opening remark can also be, especially with our local uh, Africans, the Zulus, the Tozas, Vendas, this is a very effective way also. You know, sir, the creator who made you and I is one and the same. We have the same creator. So you're making, you're building an association between us and him. And this is also, uh, uh, you know, uh, extracted from the hadith when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, when you meet a man, be polite with him and ask him, anismihi, wasmi abihi, wamin aina huwa. Ask him about his name his family, where he hails from, meaning to make conversation with people. So here now you're creating a bond with him also, where you're saying, you know, brother, and when you tell him, brother, it's also very, very touching. You know, brother, our creator who made us is one and the same. That is, that's a very good remark. And with another, the Europeans and so forth in the airport, wherever you meet them or in your office, you know, brother, God Almighty has blessed us with this day. Every day we live is a gift of God. This can also be an open re- opening remark. But it starts with politeness. And just start that. Start with that, inshallah. And we'll discuss some other remarks when Allah gives us another opportunity, inshallah. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyil ummi bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimeen. Jazakumullah khairan mulana for the muftisa for these advices. And inshallah we look forward to that. Because I, st- I still think that Many of us, we shake when we decide, okay, let's give some da'wah. We don't know where to. So these things help us, and it helps us so how true. to what, what, you, what you're saying is so true, Mulana Sahib, because even in the ayat of the Qur'an Kareem, when Allah mentions the da'wah, Allah Ta'ala says, Allah mentions shaitan's injection. So before we start also, we will get that fear, and shaitan will put more fear in us. But as soon as we start, and Allah, da, it's like when we give a lecture in the Jumu'ah and a public lecture, at first we start shaking for the first few minutes. After that, we start flowing. We think, hey, it's not as difficult as it seems. And, and we start flowing and we think, hey, we need more time. The exact same thing happens here. Under the topic of da'wah in the Quran, Allah Ta'ala says, shaitan will inject. Hmm. But once, once you start with that beginning first remarks, Allah Ta'ala makes us flow, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan muftisab. Make dua for us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alaikum assalamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaah.